ghosts were part of my life now, however ironic that was. Up to now, I had felt like I was just on the edge of things. A passerby who had stumbled across a hidden community, yet who had no understanding of the intricacies of the culture, and who had no real business getting involved. I was content to simply meet the occasional spirit and never bother a pigeon again. But the last few encounters had forced me to give up any hope that things were going to calm down. I felt like I was standing on the edge of a deep cliff. My only choice was to hang on for dear life, or to take a deep breath and dive in. It was deep into the night, a clear sky above with a full yellow moon. I was driving Harris and me home after dinner at my parents' house. They live outside the city, and as we sped along in my beat-up little car, the roads were almost completely empty. The lights above us bathed us in light, then shadow, then light, then shadow. We had passed the darkest parts of the journey, down country lanes and then a long winding road until we reached the motorway. Now it was bright, the moon and the street lamps guiding the way home. The car puttered as we went, and I relaxed at the wheel. I'm a nervous driver normally, and I tend to abuse the clutch accordingly, but tonight we were full of a good dinner, and there was nothing around to cause stress. I sighed and turned to say words to that effect to Harris, when the engine went silent, and the car rolled to a stop in the middle of the waterway. It took me a long moment to realise what had happened. There had been no warning noise, no skidding, no squealing or bang or anything to indicate something was wrong with the car. It had simply come to a halt, as if somebody else had held down the brake and switched off the engine. I turned the key a few times. Nothing happened. I stared in horror at Harris, panic rising in my chest. I looked behind, dreading seeing another car rushing out at us in the dark. Nothing was there. The light stretched out behind. I looked for my phone on instinct before remembering its loss. I hadn't had time to replace it since I lost it at the canal. I looked to Harris, who was already pulling out theirs. It wouldn't turn on. I got out of the car, numbly thinking we would go to the side of the road and walk to find an emergency phone. As my feet touched the ground, a sharp wind cut through the air. I looked up, my heart thumping. One by one, the overhead lights were blinking out. I pulled on Harris to get back in the car and slammed my door shut again. We held hands as we were plunged into darkness. I opened my mouth to scream when I saw a figure emerge from that darkness ahead of the car. Harris was shaking, silent and wide-eyed. Slowly but surely, something massive was coming up to us. The moon reflecting off it was the only source of light. It stopped about ten feet away from us and stood still. I could feel its gaze upon me. It felt like it was waiting for something. I squeezed Harris's hand tight. Shaking, I opened the car door and stepped out into the cold night air. I walked to the front of the car, shivering. The thing was tall, its true height hidden in the darkness, but I could tell it was towering above me. I stood facing it and waited. It stirred and shifted, and slowly... Very slowly, it began to speak. In a loud, creaking voice, I heard the words. It has come to my attention that something is happening in your city. Something wrong. Something, perhaps, with humans at the heart of it. I stepped back, my legs hitting the front of my car. I fought hard against the urge to run. 
the voice continued. There is a misconception among ghosts that once you lose your place of grounding, you are lost. You become a monster who preys on other ghosts. But it does not have to be this way. Ghosts are not static. Once upon a time, they were alive and in flux. Death does not mean an eternity of the same thing. I frowned. Had we been stopped and confronted by this thing only to be lectured at? At least I might get some answers, but honestly, I could do with a little warning. I relaxed a little and leaned back, resting against the bonnet. It was curiously cold to the touch for a car that had been doing 60 only a few minutes before. The creature seemed to sense that I had zoned out a little and moved, its voice becoming sharper. Do you understand what I am saying? It asked. I frowned. What was this thing trying to tell me? That ghosts were once people too? That the pigeons were more dangerous than I knew? The creature sighed a great sigh and a cold wind cut at my exposed face and hands. Then it dropped lower as if moving into a sitting or lying position. I am saying that the pigeons are not to blame. They are victims here too, just like you. And I feel for them. I was silent, still. The creature paused as if waiting for a response. My lack of one was clearly not what it was looking for, and it moved back up onto whatever was holding it up and moved closer. In the dark, I could see two huge eyes loom towards me, and I leaned back in response. The eyes stared down right at me, and I felt frozen, pinned down by them. I have been here a long, long time. I was here when this land was nothing but trees and sky as far as the land could see. I was here when the land was farmed and I am still here now as it has become this long, fast road. I learned this land. I was there for every choice, for every change, and I remained tied to it. I made that choice to change with the land and I may no longer be what I was, but I remember it all. I was shaking hard now as this huge thing ranted at me. It continued, saucer-like eyes pinning me down. Some ghosts choose to haunt another person or an object. They tend not to last as long as those of us who choose land. Sooner or later, something happens to the thing holding us to the earth, and we either choose to change with it, or we become unable to and are lost like the pigeons. Then we can be moved to prey on others, or wander lost and alone, or finally, we can choose to let go and move on. Another pause, and this time I felt compelled to respond. Move on? Pass over, the final choice for a ghost. The thing that in life we are told is the right choice. But who knows? Who knows what the right thing to do is? All we know is that pain causes more pain, and when we lose our way it becomes hard to break out of that cycle of suffering. Those spirits have lost their minds, have chosen a flock rather than to find their own destiny, and they have been told a living being can help them. But I do not know who is manipulating them, and it makes me worry for them. There was another long pause, and I wondered how much further I could push back against the car and away from those eyes before the car started rolling backwards. Then, slowly, it blinked, and the glow of the eyes dimmed a little. And you too, I suppose. In a swift movement, the thing moved back, and I could sense its huge mass shifting position. Then, all at once, there was a sharp gust of air, and it moved back off into the dark. Guessing what was going to happen next, I moved as fast as I could back into the car, closing the door as the street lamps began to blink back on. 
I got the car into gear just as it roared back into life, and sharing a long look with Harris, I started it up again. We had only managed to reach 30 when cars began joining us back on the road, beeping at me as they were forced to slow down or change lanes to adjust for us. I finally let out a breath, and we slowly began to work through the information the thing had shared with us. It felt like a long way home. Glasgow Ghost Stories is written and produced by Libby Thomas. Narration is by Libby Thomas. Credits are read by Harris Jones. The theme music is by Kevin MacLeod and can be found at the Free Music Archive. Sound effects are from freesound.org. Like the show? Fancy leaving a comment? Find us on Twitter and Tumblr at Glasgow Ghost Stories. We're halfway through the spookiest month of the year, so now is the perfect time to rate and review us on iTunes and recommend us to your friends in time for Halloween. And as always, thanks for listening. Next time you're driving down a lonely road and see two bright lights coming toward you in the other lane, it's probably just another car with its fog lights on. But then again, fog lights don't usually